Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 107. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I'm your host, Steven Morioka, and I am here with Alex Underhill. Hey. Hey, Alex. Well, Crown Tundra, October. I was wrong. Heck yeah. <laughs> Dang it. You know, I was only off by 10 days, I guess. I was close. It could have been November. There, It was close. I mean, I was always imagining the end of October. Like, it's not going to come out at the beginning. Um, this is, uh, it was October 22nd. Was the It's a Thursday, the day that it's going to be releasing. Um, and yeah, this is going to be in time for Players' Cup 2. So uh, we've, we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about with this news today. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the information that came with it is not entirely huge. A lot of the stuff we, we already knew. But getting that release date is pretty huge. Yeah, uh, really significant stuff in uh, terms of the ramifications for what is to come for Players' Cup 2. And we're going to talk about all that and the Crown Tundra a little bit later on. We did, uh, at the time of this recording, this was the uh, later on in the day after the Crown Tundra, I guess, presentation from Pokemon. So we have a lot of info on that, and including the release date. First off, we want to start off with uh, some feedback here. And uh, this message actually comes from uh, Facebook. Comes from uh, Rico. Uh, Rico N. I'm I'm too scared to say to even attempt that last name. So Rico N. says, "Hey Steven and Alex, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Keep up the great content. Like you two, I'm a more shall we say established gentleman, and it's great to see that we can still be involved in this awesome game." Alex, I'm also from the Oceania region. We're from the bottom of the world, so come on, man. We need to have lower rating thresholds to get into Players Cup. Anyway, thanks again for the time you take to inform and teach the rest of us about VGC. Alola. Rico. And then uh, we had a follow-up message that says, keep it up and looking forward to the next podcast. I hope Alex will give a shout-out to the people at the bottom of the world. Of course I can shout-out the people in uh, Australia as well as anybody else below the uh, the equator. Uh, I've been down there myself, and it's a lovely community of VGC players down there. So uh, I've actually been down there twice, actually, because I went to Brazil and Australia. Oh, you met twice, twice below the equator. Okay, I got confused. I was like, "You've been to Australia twice? I didn't know that." No, no, no. I've been below the uh, below that line, that line on the Earth that people made up. Um, (laughs) So. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's just the two times, but uh, yeah, lovely, lovely communities down there, and um, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that uh, we're going to see lower ratings overall, I'm kind of just moving us on to talking about the online competition, um, but it, it's seeming like this time around, uh, the ratings have been dropped uh, just across the board, uh, I'm imagining a lot of this has to do with the, uh, with less people playing. Um, just because it's not one of the online competitions, this was specifically a Players' Cup 2 qualifier, which, I don't know, I guess maybe people just care about less, maybe people played in the last one because there was the shirt, Wait a or minute. whatever. Wait a minute, I just realized Rico could have be from New Zealand as well, as a possibility, I didn't, I, I didn't realize that, sorry to cut you off. Oh, no worries, yeah, that's, like, there's, uh, there's all kinds of different re, uh, regions down there, could have even been from, actually, no, I guess it's Australia and just New Zealand for Players' Cup, huh? Huh. I don't know. Yeah. Rico, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Anyway, Alex, go on about uh the lower ratings you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think the uh I think the ratings zone ratings are gonna be lower this re- uh this time just because of uh like comparing it to the last time. Uh I I guess I'll just start us off with uh my rating here. I finished sixteen eighty one, three hundred and seventy third. 
Uh, I don't remember how many games I played. It was like just over 20, maybe 22 or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I I stopped. I was like 343rd at the time of stopping. And I was like, this should definitely be good. Uh, I'm going to quickly Google search, not Google search, but just search my rating from the last one, Stephen, just to see if I have uh, any kind of marker uh, indicating what place I finished globally with the higher rating that I got last time. That sounds good. And mm-hmm. the... Uh, I know for in, in terms of general participation, I know we mentioned that the first, uh, the main online competition for so the first qualifier for play, the first Players Cup, the participation was like over a little over seventy three thousand. Um, I think I saw Samuel Harsma did a uh, check on an alt cart that uh, to check the participating participation numbers in this one. I think it was only like seventeen thousand, so that is a significant drop in uh players for this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. and you, I, I could notice that too, while playing, um, in the online competition. So, um, Alex, I think with your rating there, you should be pretty safe to make it for players cup too. I don't think you have anything to be worried about. And, uh, you know, for me in terms of uh, like how I did, so my rating is, uh, not as good. It's uh, almost a hundred points lower down at 1587. My final rank is 2241. And, um, you know, just the story for me is that, uh, I started off poorly starting off 0 and 5, uh, and then finished the first night, um, with a win. So I got to 1 and 5 and then, uh, quit for that night cause, uh, you know, wasn't having it anymore. And then, um, I eventually, so my rating got down to 1420 after that first day and I, uh, eventually made it back up to 1608. And uh, pretty much hovered from there in the 1550s till the end of the tournament, uh, ending at 1587. My final record, which I kept count, I did end up um, playing all 45 games. Uh, my final record being 26 and 19, so barely above average. And uh, I think myself, as well as everyone uh, in our audience, pretty much already knows. Like uh, I've already peaked in my Pokemon playing. My peak years were definitely like 2011 to 2016, and. Um, I am still struggling to just keep up with everyone nowadays. I uh, I didn't end up finding that uh, old rating. It was 1720 uh, is what I got in the last one, which was 316 upon my last check, I think. So I did a little bit, I was a little bit higher uh, placement wise, but like a pretty good margin number wise, like 40 point difference. Um, So it's definitely a lot lower this time around for anybody that's... uh, worried about it i remember i was in the camp that was completely opposite that i had thought that it was definitely going to be higher people were going to push it higher but i did not consider the fact that a lot of less people are playing uh i also wanted to uh, refute steven in that he has not yet peaked uh i think that uh there are going to be multiple peaks on his journey and we're just in a little bit of a valley we're going to get back up there oh yeah that's a that's a total community um, effort being in the valley right now. <laughs> Not effort. It's just a uh, situation. Situation uh, with the pandemic and everything. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is like, I wonder what dropped the attendance. Is it uh, was it the name of the tournament being Players Cup to qualifier? So obviously, like Asia Pacific, no knew ahead of time for this one not to necessarily bother with this one and put in like max effort to try and qualify because they know they. They they wouldn't have a chance at all. Like they're not even incorporated into this. So I feel like that's a thing. I don't know what else. Like no, why no one else really played in it or cared for anything. Hmm. Yeah. There was also. Um, yeah. It's just it's so strange to me that uh, we saw such a drop. I guess there was the like 
the reward for participation last time was like a, a a ball guy shirt or a great ball shirt or something. It wasn't like incredible, but that is the kind of stuff that gets people to play, even if it's just for three games and it's going to drive those numbers up. And yeah, it's just, it's interesting that uh, we saw so much less people. Um, I, oh yeah, here we go. I was trying to pull up the, the highest finishing team because that's actually out. And the, the winning of the, the winner of the IC finished at uh, 1842. Which oh, is baby. <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, let me go ahead and just link this here so that you can look at the team as well, Stephen. But uh, the team was uh, Dusclops, Indeedy, female, Dragapult, Urshifu, water, uh, Hatterene, and Toxtricity. And it just seems like the most like ragtag group of Pokemon I've seen in a long time. Uh, I don't know. Like, some of these picks are just so strange to me. The Dragapult is just um, Lumberry. You know, normally we're so used to seeing Life Orb or Weakness Policy so that you can boost its damage even higher. Uh, we have one other physical attacker to take advantage of Dragapult's, uh, you know, Max Phantasm defense drops. Um, it, it's in Japanese, so I don't know all of what the moves are, but, uh, I know that the Dragapult's got a, some type of dragon attack, a ghost attack, a flying attack, and then another dragon attack, which I would assume is Dragon Dance. Uh, and then, like, yeah, it just, I don't know, I do not understand how this team plays, just looking at it. It's just a very wild-looking team. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there, like, it's a kind of weird combination of Pokemon. Um, the only thing I can really say about it is that this player was... Had to have been extremely consistent um, with their play throughout this entire tournament to you know finish that high. Must have gone on an extremely uh, large winning streak um, to mm -hmm. get this rating here. Uh, so that's really incredible. Like 1842, uh, unbelievable. Uh, something else worth somewhat worth noting, uh, and I, I haven't confirmed this, but I don't believe that they're like lying or anything. But I think it was uh, uh. Not Feist, it was uh, the other German player. I'm sorry, I can't remember their name right now. It's um, Fevzi. Um, Fevzi, I believe, finished over 1800 with uh, the Comfy Lapras team, but a wheezing over Magnezone, the, uh, the team that we've talked a bit about on this podcast that I used in Players' Cup. Uh, it was just the same team, but a uh, wheezing uh, put in over the Magnezone, which honestly just sounds so absurd to me. But uh, that's really fun. <laughs> I bet. Like, Galarian wheezing, of course. The uh, actually, maybe I can't confirm that. I I just know it's the neutralizing gas one or something like that. Anyway, uh, that's kind of cool uh, to hear about uh, that team going so far. Um, yeah, and since um, I guess mentioning some teams real quick, like um, since the ones we use not for this didn't don't aren't going to matter anymore. What'd you end up using? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, we can talk about my own team. I ended up just using uh, something that was getting a little bit popular. Maybe I helped his popularity by spamming it on ladder. Uh, there was uh, it was that Parish Cole team uh, that I've seen some other people try out. Uh, that I, I found a rental code from some Japanese player uh, that had used it, and I just modified it slightly. It was Dragapult, Colossal, uh, Rillaboom, Incineroar, Gothitelle, and Azumarill. And uh, just to break down the team a little bit, uh, honestly, the team was very, very uh, simple. <laughs> it was very easy to play. Um, I didn't have to do a ton of thinking with it. Um, you typically just lead uh, Azumarill and Colossal and either Aqua Jet yourself and get the boost 
uh, and just do crazy coal stuff, or you say haha and click perish song and switch to Gothitelle, and they're normally like, oh no, I maxed my pre-marina and went for a water move, and now you've perish trapped my only water type. That Colossal's gonna mess me up later, huh? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it also had the Rillaboom, of course, to cover water types, as I think most coal teams do or should. And then... Uh, Incineroar was there as well as just like a good Pokemon to function within the Parish mode. Just having fake outs is good. Uh, I, it, what's funny is, uh, it's been a hot topic lately, uh, the, the move Ally Switch. Uh, and I probably clicked Ally Switch in 90% of my games, if not more. Oh man. Uh, I, I had Ally Switch on the Dragapult and I had Ally Switch on the Gothitelle. And it's just a good move to click on dead turns because, uh, unless they really want to call it, uh, they could definitely just end up like messing themselves up and sometimes if, if they do call it on a turn that i have no reason to do it because i want to like you know click a move with my dragapult they just look silly uh ally switch is a dumb move and then i would all i would i would very frequently um with my azumarill and gothitelle after i set up parish i would double protect and then i would click like helping hand with azumarill just a waste a turn and then hit ally switch as well and their urshifu would go for like wicked blow and it would hit my Azumarill or something would hit my Azumarill with like a dark move, the T-Tar or something, and they'd be like, oh no. Yeah, dude, that ally switch is going to be like incredibly effective in uh, one game against an opponent, and especially if they don't necessarily see it coming, right? They they don't necessarily know that you have it. So, um, pretty strong, useful tool you had there. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I, I'm not going to side with any of the people that are, like, uh, crying about Ally Switch. I, I personally am not that bothered by it. I uh, I definitely fell for it a couple of times, and uh, I find that uh, most game plans should not fall apart from, you know, a single Ally Switch or just, like, somebody who's spamming Ally Switch, because they are only going for one move, you know, at that point. Like, they, they've set themselves up maybe with a good board position if they have a very strong Pokemon next to the Ally Switch, but, uh, yeah, I, I at some point, like, I, I just, I don't think that uh, it's too much of a problem. Uh, I think that in best of one, it can be annoying. But um, I think it's just something you always have to account for. And, like, once you do see it, just uh, just kind of, like, doubling target, double targeting the same slot usually accomplishes uh, covering for it. And... Yeah, I just don't think it's uh, the worst thing. There, it can force some fifty-fifties though, if it's like saved, preserved to the end of the game. So, I'll admit it's annoying, but I don't think it's like a, a move that needs to be removed from the game or anything like that right now. As it is, it's annoying. Yeah, and uh, as for me, you know, my team, I've been using Sun for most of the whole format, so I still kind of stuck with that. Uh, my team was Charizard, Torkoal, Venusaur. Um, what was the oh Dusclops, Togekiss, and Incineroar. Now. Uh, so uh, for anyone who's heard, just heard those six, those sound very familiar. That is uh, the team that David Kutesh used during the regional qualifiers for the first Players' Cup to make it into the uh, Players' Cup finals, or I guess what we're now calling uh, global finals uh, posthumously here. And the for me, like the Incineroar used to be a Tyranitar, and you know I liked running that team, but um, there are just some matchups I had some trouble with, so I switched to Incineroar. And uh, boy, did I I ran the four attack moves on it, and I really missed fake out and just having a support incinerator there but uh it was it was effective in what I was doing with the weakness policy and uh, ultimately like a lot of it just boiled down to my play um another issue is unsurprisingly for a sun team you know a uh, sand uh, sand teams especially with tyranitar um 
are a bad matchup. They give me a lot of trouble. And um, for some reason, like, I struggled a lot against opposing Tyranitar, and I just could not break through a bunch of uh, different teams with them. You know, I did beat some of them, but um, Tyranitar gave me, in particular, a lot of trouble. Um, so, again, like, this is a team I've been using for a while now, or like the, uh, you know, fundamental core of it. And, uh, again, I'm not going to blame matchups. I'm not going to blame luck. Um, even though all those things happen and, uh, it boils down to my play. I will hold myself accountable for that. Uh, I've got a couple of, uh, tangents to go on here about the, uh, online competition before we end up uh, moving on from it here. Uh, some, some interesting things I want to bring up just noticing from it, uh, for example, like the uh, the top players uh, that I saw post like their results, I th- you know you mentioned you mentioned David Kutesh, Hamster Mania. Uh, they ended up using the same team that they've been using uh, that uh, that Sun team with the weakness policy in Cinderella. But I think they like changed one thing. Like it was like Scarf Charizard instead, and um, then also like Santino ended up using uh, the same team from Players Cup Global Finals or whatever. Uh, with some tweaks, and uh, it seems like a lot of those players that, um, you know, finished really highly in Series 5 just ended up using one of their best teams, because people were just taking what they were comfortable with, kind of like you mentioned. Uh, The team that I brought was also something that I was very comfortable with and got a lot of practice with, and uh, that was the other point I wanted to bring up, is that Colossal is, uh, after playing it a lot, it's not quite as simple as a lot of people like to make it out to be. Uh, I think that one of the most powerful things uh, a Colossal team does is uh, forces your opponent's hand with regards to, like, Dynamaxing and stuff. And it can be very easy to bait them into Dynamaxing the wrong Pokemon or Dynamaxing too early or something like that. Uh, A lot of the times uh, when I would lead Dragapult and Colossal, it would be very easy to light screen and protect when they just go for a Max Geyser into the coal, and it's like, oh, I didn't even have to click Surf that turn. You're going to set it up for me. Or I would light screen switch to Rillaboom as they go for Max Geyser, and they just do no damage and are just really sad because, you know, now they've committed their Dynamax, and if I wanted to, I could max my Rillaboom there and just delete their Dynamax from the game uh, very often. And it's just... It ends up being really nice... uh, having that much control on the lead because of how threatening Cole can be, uh, just uh, Colossal, that is, uh, with its secondary effect, with how much damage it can do, the speed it has. Um, yeah, it was just really, really cool to, uh, I don't know, just kind of like pressure the opponent in that like team preview sense. Like something that I always had going for me was Dragapult Colossal being some so well known and such a common lead that... I didn't even lead it most of the time. It was uh, it was very often an Azumarill Colossal team. And uh, because people have to respect it, they end up leading poorly. And I think that's something that's really strong about that team. Yeah, you know what's most surprising about just like Colossal builds in general is like when the format first started, um, before even Colossal had its GMAX form, like I don't think a lot of people really uh, just respected it at all in the beginning. Um, and that's, I guess that's kind of fair. That's a fair argument. And then as uh, time went along, it got a G-Max form, so it could use Volcalith and set up that passive damage on the field. Um, and then, you know, we started see seeing more teams uh, with it. And then Santino was the, really the one with this big Players' Cup win to put on the map. And uh, you've seen, you, you know, Colossal teams are being seen everywhere now. Um, it's been definitely pre- prevalent throughout the uh, format since uh, March or something, but um, it's really seeing the limelight now. I'm wondering if Cole will survive the uh, transition to Crown Tundra with all the Pokemon that we're going to be getting. 
That uh, that is a good question. Yeah. Uh, there's just like so much going against it coming up. I I feel that it's not going to uh, enjoy all of the new toys that we're going to be getting in this uh, upcoming format. Why don't we go ahead and start talking about the uh, the Crown Tundra? I think I mentioned earlier the uh, release date, but uh, it's going to be coming out Thursday, October 22nd. Uh, of course, going to be in time for uh, the Players' Cup next stage, uh, as long as they don't, you know, mess anything up, potentially, or, you know... That's uh, what I was worried about. Or trick like, us, what or they do uh, it mislead again? us. Um I think something that Pokemon players, even still, after all these years of uh, TPCI dragging us all over the place and confusing us, um, the, we still make a lot of assumptions. And uh, <laughs> I, we could definitely see them do something different uh, just because that's what they do. They like to catch you off guard. I don't even know if they do it on purpose. Like, it's just some some weird, weird stuff goes on there uh, at Pokemon HQ. Yeah. Anyway, uh so I it's it's a pretty safe assumption, but don't be too caught off guard if we don't end up happening. But we're gonna I think we're gonna talk like series seven, which is said to start November first, I believe. Um and uh the players cup, which stated it will be using the battle stadium rules at the time, which uh would make sense. The players uh cup uh is happening after the DLC release. Uh, a good well actually i haven't even done the math on that steven what how much longer does it come out after uh let's see what players or how much two? i mean or how much le- early, later how much earlier does the dlc come out 22nd versus the yeah weekend. just you... uh nine days nine days that's it yeah so crown Seven... hunter's coming out you get nine days till uh, no 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 no, no no oh till november 1st that's fine yeah. i meant until uh the actual uh tournament because like you can start preparing I you assume your team lock would be the 6th, the day before the tournament, so um, that's, what, uh, 15 days or something? Yeah, so just In over total. two weeks. Yeah, so that that's okay, I guess. Um, that's, like, decent enough. I think that was, like, similar to what we had, um, I think we had three weeks last time. Yeah, that sounds like f- right. 15th until the beginning of July or something like that. Uh, to the, I guess that was when the, and then it was July 9th is when things started. Oh, man, just trying to use our brains to remember things is tough. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, basically what I'm trying to get at is we're going to have a limited window to start preparing. uh, Again, assuming this is all what happens. Uh, But, like, I'm excited for it because uh, we're going to have, like, this, you know, potentially new format. Uh, As I had once stated on the podcast before, Series 6 is just not canon. It just doesn't matter for anything. Uh, I think it might have been a mistake, as I've said a, a bunch of times here, but, but I mean, I don't know what we're going to look at Series 6. It's, uh, it's just so sad in its entirety. Like, like, going forward, are people going to respect Series 6? Uh, are people going to play it in, you know, those tournaments that bring up old formats and stuff like that? Are people going to... There's there's nothing to, like, reference back, you know? There's no Series 6 regional winner. There's no Series 6 Players' Cup winner. There's nobody Series 6 IC winner even. Like, you know, there, there's nothing for that tournament, so uh, or for that f- uh, format. Series 6 is really going to die as the most pointless format. Uh, maybe not even a format to be considered, because it, it hardly felt like one. Yeah, and uh, what's funny is, like, October is... Uh, for October, the online rules are still using Series 6, and that just feels like a complete waste now. Like, what's the point? Yeah, the, the whole month of October... 
uh, I think is just going to be spent theorying about what the DLC is going to be like. I know that's what we're going to be doing a bit here <laughs> on the podcast. I know that's what I'm going to be doing in my team building groups and stuff. So uh, why don't we go ahead and start talking about this uh, this announcement here. So, uh, of course, yeah, it was announced to be October 22nd. They showed a trailer, I don't think, giving us too much new information, honestly. I think most of the new Not stuff really, was like... No. It was like stuff that we already knew, but uh, I guess we got some stuff on the website. The ma- the main thing, I guess, new here is uh, Galarian Slowking. That's like one of the most important new things in terms of like uh, competitive Pokemon. Uh, I do love that it is the Hexpert Pokemon. That is a very fun <laughs> So thing. cool. When I first saw it, I thought it was going to be a ghost type, honestly. I think it still should have been. I thought it was going to be dark. Yeah, like it, it looks like it shouldn't be poison again, but I guess the... Uh, the cloisters or shelters or whatever are just a little more toxic uh, in the Galar region or something. So, uh, first, I mean, why don't we talk about the design of this thing? Let's uh, let's at least like talk about how it looks. I personally, it it's really a thinker. I I think is how I'm looking at it because uh, you look at a uh, Slow King, its original design, and it doesn't have the eyes on the front. I think the eyes are on the back of the head, uh, if I remember correctly. And this time, it's like almost like it's completely taken over the shelter cloister thing. Like it's completely the I don't know with with it right, being right. the like, eyes. I know what you mean. Like the uh, the poison almost like the shelter's in charge instead of the slow king. So the shelter flipped the shell around, and now I'm the one who's you know in, in control of the brain and everything. That's what it seems like. It seems like it's just like a parasite that's taken over. It's a it's a little darker than uh, the past ones. I don't know. It seems like they kind of like lived together beforehand, but this is just like crazy. All right. I thought but, uh, um I thought like the with this you know the shelter biting the slow pokes tail and uh, kind of merging like this uh, because it's still psychic. Um, I for some reason I thought oh there's that little poison splotch on the front of the shell where the eyes are right. And I think that's like, for some reason, I thought that was like the Slow King using um, its psychic abilities to kind of make this little circular window to see uh, past the shell. So like, I can still protect my eyes, but this is just like a um, vision. It's not, these aren't my real eyes. All right. Uh, you know what? Since we're breaking down the lore here, and you can doubt, you can find all of this on the... Uh... Pokemon website like sword uh, swordshield.pokemon.com and then just navigate till you find Slowking. Uh, if you look up Galar Slowking, I'm sure I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, I'm gonna read this little expert excerpt here, Stephen, just because it kind of does talk about what it is doing. It says a brainy shelter takes charge. A shelter bite set off a reaction between the chemicals secreted by Galarian Slowpoke's brain and the spices inside its body. Spices? What spices? What spices? (laughs) They're teaching kids that inside you is just a bunch of uh, of different spices. I guess Team Rocket did sell the tails to eat in the past, so okay, it makes sense. So continuing on here, it says, causing Slowpoke to gain the poison type as it evolved into Galarian Slowking. The Shelter's intelligence also skyrocketed, giving the Shelter psychic powers that put other psychic-type Pokemon to shame. It honestly, and the, the the little caption here, a brainy shelter takes charge. I can't tell. Is the shelter the one in charge? Like, it almost feels like this should be Galarian shelter or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it definitely seems like the shelter has taken over. Like, it just covered up the slow king. Looks like it flipped the shell around, like we mentioned already. Um, it looks, you know, there's one picture here that looks kind of like angry and leering. The other one's just so happy. It looks cute, actually. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think Slowking's got an opinion anymore. I think that it is just a zombie, kind of, at this point. So, let's go ahead and talk more about the uh, competitive aspects of this Pokemon. Um, yes. Of course, we don't know its stats yet. I really, really hope that it doesn't have Galar Slowbro stats or some kind of variation of them. I hope that it's a little more different, because those stats were abysmal. Um, but... Galarian Slowking uh, does have that, you know, poison typing, so the same typing as Slowbro. It has got its own unique ability and own unique move, just like uh, Galar Slowbro had. So let's talk about that move first. Uh, the new move is Eerie Spell. It's a Psychic-type move, as opposed to uh, Slowbro's, which was a poison move. Mm -hmm. uh, and it attacks with tremendous Psychic power. If hit, the opponent doesn't only take damage, it also loses 3 PP from the move it last used. That's cool. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm pretty cool with that actually. Like um just based on you reading that sentence, those sentences, um so obviously like the side effect is similar to Gmax depletion um from Gmax Duraludon. Um another thing is like this the sentence said like tremendous psychic power, so it seems like it might be a uh, stronger base power and it also seems like it may not be perfectly accurate cuz it does say like if hit <laughs> the opponent doesn't only take damage and blah blah blah. So like it seems like it has Ooh, a chance that's to a miss. Good point. I'm betting it has some power to it uh, just because of the the text here with tremendous psychic power. It's gotta. But again, we'll we'll learn all that stuff when the when it comes out or whenever it gets data mined or something like that, if that's possible. Um anyway, uh there's the ability. So uh the ability is Curious Medicine. Galarian Slowking's ability, Curious Medicine, is a new ability introduced with this expansion. When a Pokemon with this ability enters the battlefield, allies' stat changes are reset. Uh, it had such potential to be, like, haze upon entry, and that would right. have been really dope. Uh, just with the ability to kind of shut down all kinds of uh, cheesy setup teams, Xerneas, you know, belly drum teams, or something like that, that, uh, that rely on redirection and stuff like that. Uh, it would have been really cool, uh, but now it apparently only changes these stats for the Pokemon next to Sloking, its ally. Yeah, just the partner. And, um, you know, it also seems like it may not only just be drops, it might be um, all your stat changes, so your boost too. So, like, you gotta be really careful with this thing, you know, if this is the case where after you've Dynamax, maybe boosted yourself a bit, or, you know, got a weakness policy uh, activated, then you gotta be careful if you brought this and send this in at the wrong time. Um, so I don't know how effective this ability actually may be. Yeah, I remember that uh, Galar Slowbro can have other abilities, so I'm wondering and hoping <laughs> uh, it has good other abilities, because it really might not be the case that uh, this is, like, the ab optimal ability to run on it. It just... You have to build your team so specifically to take advantage of it. You know, at, at best, you're clicking Draco Meteor or Overheat and then bringing it in and doing it again. But, yeah, uh, um, you know, with a lot of the Alolan and Galarian forms we've had, I feel like um, some have been viable. Uh, some others have not been. And like the Slowbro and possibly Slowkings haven't really hit that well so far. So um, time will tell, though, with uh, the Slowking here. Let's uh let's go ahead and talk about the uh I guess some of the other stuff that they uh put on the website. There's like new clothing. Uh there's uh, I guess max raid battles and po new like the new Pokédex obviously. Uh <sighs> more card designs and stuff like that. That's fun. I I might play around with it a bit. I'm enjoying having my character as uh male Elsa right now. That's been fun. Um <laughs> 
Let's see new other new features. Oh, this is Isle of Armor. Why are they? Why is it Isle of Armor on here? Well, okay. They really haven't told us much about the Crown Tundra, huh? <laughs> they they huh. just merged everything. Um, okay, so we talked about this on the last one, but I think it's even been confirmed by Serebi now that the uh, the ability patch exists. Yes, that is real. Um, that it's on the bottom of the uh, page here. You know, look to the look closest to the very bottom of this website page. And uh, I think that's awesome. Like, it seems like it might be pretty difficult item to obtain. Now, I don't know what how difficult are we talking here. Is this like shiny rarity difficulty? Is this trying to get flame mold from ball guy rarity? I don't know. So, if uh, if this is just takes like some time to get, that's fine. But if it's actually uh, pretty difficult to obtain and with like luck or something, that can be frustrating. Otherwise, like, still really good new item to have. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. Here's the official screenshots for it. Yeah. That's that's really exciting. I uh, there's it means a lot for all kinds of Pokemon. Like, uh, and also just like it means a lot for Pokemon in general. I think that something that's been an aspect of Pokemon for ever since the introduction of hidden abilities is obtaining them. And like you know, like a lot of them they can be found through uh, hacking the game or data mining or something like that. Uh, and they're just not obtainable by a uh, you know the player character or something like that. And it's really cool that th- with this you can get any ability on any Pokemon, whether or not it's been released in that generation. On, on top of the the new uh, what do you call it, the battle ready symbol, um, we're gonna be able to just use whatever Pokemon have existed in times past or. Even, like, new abilities, like the putting Sandrush on the fossils and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's big. Uh, that's really going to be cool. Yeah, um, this is, like, such a great item for, for you know, Pokemon like the fossils who have not had their hidden abilities released yet. Um, this will also be, you know, pretty impactful for some of the legendary Pokemon that we're going to talk about soon. Um, that can also, you know, just swap to your hidden abilities now, right? Um, I find this funny, like... We get this item now in Gen 8, but, um, Alex, I don't know if you know this, but back in Gen 5, both, um, Zapdos and Chandelure had different hidden abilities than they do now. I do know about this, yeah. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> Zapdos, um, used to have, was, Zapdos was coded to have Lightning Rod back in Gen 5 as its hidden ability, and Chandelure was coded to have Shadow Tag as its hidden ability. Both of those were never released in any official capacity, um, they are just left in the code, unreleased, and once we switch over to Gen 6 for X and Y, their hidden abilities change to uh, Static for Zapdos and Infiltrator for Chandelure, respectively. And it would have been so nice to have ability, I don't know, maybe not nice, to have the ability patch back in Gen 5 to try and access those. Yeah, those would have been <laughs> insane. I was, uh, I was a big, like fan of just the idea of these pokemon being so broken like they they were really uh holding those ones back for good reason because those would have been some very strong abilities on some already very strong pokemon uh it would have been very different with uh shadow tag on a pokemon that's so offensive like we have mega gengar and i guess it does hit even harder but it was of course limited to a mega pokemon and having shadow tag on a regular pokemon with chandelier stats it would have been very fun to play around with but uh that's not something that we'll ever get to experience in vgc uh there's there's like some other abilities that i'm sure we're forgetting i, I think we mentioned with the episode uh that we did last time with justin a lot of the uh defining abilities of course uh defiant 
being a big one on the genies. Uh, there's going to be, uh, I guess we can finally mess around with, uh, what is it, Sheer Force Landorus Eye? Um, Landorus Incarnate, of course, just the regular Landorus, the non-Intimidate Landorus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now use Sheer Force with Life Orb, and it's got Earth Power, and like I remember it had like Psychic and stuff like that. It was... Uh, a very strong Pokemon uh, in non-Dynamax sense. Uh, of course, we will still have Dynamax, and Sheer Force does not work with Dynamax, unfortunately. So uh, it won't be quite as much of a threat as like the other two normal Incarnate Genie forms with their Defiant abilities. Something that a lot of people are hyping up for uh, this coming format is the return of Landorus Therian. Landorus Therian has obviously been a very strong Pokemon in almost all of the years uh, of VGC, which is pretty much just whenever it's legal, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So. Hard to argue with that. It, it's a Pokemon that you can't expect to be bad coming into this format. However, there are a lot of things that are going to be working against it. I think that they are coming prepared for Landorus uh, with this new coming generation. We've got... Uh, Tornadus and Thunderous with their Defiant abilities, so of course their attack stats will only go up. They are also flying types, so Landorus will not be able to hit it with its ground type stab. Um, they have uh, also given uh, <laughs> Intimidate proccing abilities to um, to Zapdos Galarian form and uh, Articuno's Galarian form and that like I think that it's going to be a little bit harder for Landorus to work with all of these flying types just able to, you know, either be on the field when it switches in with Intimidate or switch in on any of its ground moves. Uh, Landorus is going to have a little bit of a harder time. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to struggle. Uh, it may struggle in the beginning, like um, even with all that, all that stuff you mentioned, which I do agree with, um, just with using uh, Landorus's, just looking at Landorus's stats overall... Like that strength and uh, still its ability to um, weaken some of these strong other physical strong attackers there. Um, it also would make a strong partner with a lot of those Pokemon too. So um, there's still a lot we still need to kind of like discover with it. I um, I don't know which Genie I think will be strongest this generation. I'm personally leaning towards Tornadus just based on its versatility. Um, Again, like, you can run the Defiant version on it. You can also just run Prankster Tailwind, which we've seen on, like, uh, Whimsicott, and we've seen, like, the Gale Wings Talonflame. Um, and Tornadus has some other tools in his kit to do. So, um, Tornadus can... It's gonna be kind of funny, like, trying to figure out what the Tornadus is doing on a team build uh, initially. Yes. Yeah, Tornadus is gonna have a lot of versatility. Thunderous also has the option of using Prankster... Or yeah, just the plain old, uh, or I guess not the plain old, Prankster is the plain old, the Defiant version is going to be pretty interesting, considering that it'll have access to uh, max flying uh, with, I don't know what move, it'll be probably fly or acrobatics, but I imagine it's going to have max flying available to it. And that's going to be really, really cool to see just a different version of a Thunderous than we've been used to. Uh, something else that I, I'm wondering about is the... Uh, the, not, they're, I guess they're not Galar forms. They're just the new Reggie Pokemon. The new Reggie Golems, Reggie Eleki, and Reggie Drago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I'm hoping that these Pokemon are strong and viable, just because the Reggies have never really made that big of an impact on VGC. 
Uh, I don't care if one was brought to Worlds. Uh, it did not <laughs> have a strong showing that year. So uh, I think that it'd be very fun to see if these Pokemon were given, like, you know, a strong stat distribution or, uh, you know, solid moves. I remember we talked about their moves in the past. Like, Reggie Drago's got, like, maybe a single target eruption or something. And uh, right. the other one, what is it? Reggie Alecki's got, like, a trapping move or something. Yeah, I think like it's they... a, it's a, it traps when you connect or something, when you hit. So they, they've got some stuff going for them. I hope that they get like interesting abilities something to consider about uh like uh, all of the reggies had pressure i think as their main ability uh clear body no clear clear body, clear body. sorry they had clear body which as is their good main ability. that is a good ability though clear body is strong uh especially in a format that is all about stat drops whether you're trying to drop their dynamax pokemon or you're dropping them using your dynamax pokemon uh, but all of the Reggies do have, uh, hidden abilities. I think, uh, Reggie Ice is, like, Ice Body, Reggie Rock is, is it Sandvale? I don't know, actually, I'd have to just look these up. I have no idea on Reggie Rock. Um, and then Reggie Steel, I don't know either. I feel like it's probably like, heavy. Yeah, heavier light metal. Um, yeah. Why don't I go ahead and look these up really quick while sure, we're talking about it? Sure, I've got a, I've got a, I got a little story for you here. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, the Reggies historically have not been the strongest in uh in doubles and VGC, um. However, I just want to bring up a quick side story that I don't think I've ever shared with uh, uh on the show yet. But um, back in 2010, I actually used Reggie Ice on my team in regionals to qualify for nationals. That's still a thing you had to do back then. Um, qualifying for nationals through the regionals there, and uh, my 2010 team was a Scarf Giratina with uh, Focus Ash Obama Snow in the front. And then a Palkia and a Regice in the back. Um, so that was the those were the four Pokemon I pretty much used to qualify for nationals that year. But um, so I have used Regice to make top sixteen at a regional before. And uh, again, Regice otherwise not uh, overly successful. So the hidden abilities are Regice's is Ice Body, Reggie Rocks is Sturdy, Reggie Steel has Light Metal. And uh, honestly, I'm just predicting for Reggie Alecki, it's going to have Static. As it's an ability that just seems like, with the general theme, it's very much having to do with their bodies uh, and static. You know, if you touched a Reggie Alec, uh, Reggie Alecki, I feel like you could get paralyzed there. Uh, Reggie Drago, I have no clue what kind of ability it could have. Uh, but with this ability patch, we are going to get to try it out right away. That's just kind of what the point I'm trying to get across here. Is that normally, with the release of a new legendary, if it had a hidden ability... You'd have to wait a while, uh, maybe even till the next game or something to get right. <laughs> the uh, hidden ability on that Pokemon. But with the ability patch, if these Pokemon have hidden abilities, the birds too, um, then we get to try them out right away. Like, that's something else to think about, Steven. Um, they, the, the new Galar birds, if they have multiple abilities, we'll get to get to try them out just because of this ability patch. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, this is just such a great item. Like, uh, besides the access to. Uh, abilities we haven't seen yet or have uh, access to yet. The uh, legendaries can change them, you know, willy-nilly as we'd like to, which is awesome. Uh, another thing is just, like, if you uh, still, if you, like, shiny hunt or have uh, just random shiny encounters and you have wrong, the wrong ability on them or can't access the hidden ability, now you can, and I think that's great. So uh, it's just a great accessibility tool for people. Um, you know, this also works with, uh, like, Pokemon Go stuff. If you want to send Pokemon Go, which also in this... uh 
uh, what's it called? The presentation was shown to have, uh, it's going to connect to home within, uh, by the end of the year. So, like, any shinies you caught in there, you can also, like, fix them in Sword and Shield and use them for competitive play, like, for hidden abilities, IVs, whatever you need. So, I think that's really awesome. Um, I guess we should wait, also... Wait, wait, wait. I've got a couple that we need to talk about, uh, these legendaries, Steven. So, uh, I've been looking at the full list of, like, the legendaries that they're talking about will be, uh, coming back from past games and such. Okay. Uh, as well as all the new ones and stuff. And there's some really interesting ones that we're going to be able to mess around with. Um, first off, I want to talk about Entei. Entei has inner focus. Uh, all of the, uh, legendary beasts get inner focus as their hidden ability. And inner focus just recently got buffed so that you can't be intimidated. So right. that's going to be a fun tool for Entei. Just the, uh, the fact that it can just no longer be intimidated. It hasn't been an incredible Pokemon despite, you know, I guess a top eight world's appearance at least once. Um, but I just don't see it shining too much in a Dynamax format, especially when we have Landorus and these deadly, deadly birds. Uh, but it's still something that's kind of fun. Uh, there was also one other, uh, or two other ones that I thought were just fun to point out. Uh, so Dialga, uh, whenever we get back to the restricted formats, we'll be able to have telepathy right off the bat. Uh, that is something that's going to be fun, just because it, I don't think we got telepathy Dialga through all of 2019. No, not at all. Even though we did have it in 2016, again, this is why I'm saying the ability patch is so important for people that aren't so familiar with older formats. Uh, the hidden abilities on legendary Pokemon and just Pokemon in general have been very inconsistent. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Uh, I guess that's why it's also worth mentioning Lugia and Ho-Oh and their multi-scale uh, and regenerator abilities, respectively. Uh, yep. Those are abilities that we didn't get access to uh, completely. I think we might have had multi-scale, but again, Lugia is not the most relevant Pokemon, so I don't remember. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll have those legal for any restricted format. Uh, Heatran has access access to Flame Body if you want that to hatch eggs for fun, uh, which is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, I don't. I still think Flashfire is going to be the better ability, but. Um, yeah, if those Kangaskhans ever decide that they can just, you know, power punch you for free, you can uh, you can really show them who's who's boss. It's, it's not a thing anymore. No more power. It's not a thing. <laughs> um, I just I just want to make another quick uh, note in my disappointment with another psychic flying type, and that's uh, Articuno, the Galarian one. Not that it's gonna be a bad Pokemon. I'm just really disappointed that it cannot abuse the psychic terrain whenever that's up because it's a part flying type, and. It's. It seems like it's listen, gonna be a really good. Po- listen, it seems like listen. it's gonna be a really good Pokemon. No, hold on, hold on. La Tapu Lele is coming back, and it gets gravity, doesn't it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. It does do that. We're gonna bring our Gallery Articuno down to the ground so that it can use that psychic terrain. Okay, uh, I like where we're heading here. I think that actually could have some uh, some viability, and that's a uh, that's the next. Uh, set of Pokemon I wanted to talk about is the Tapus. They uh, they all had telepathy as their hidden ability. And I don't think we ever got those legal. Uh, maybe we did. I don't think uh, we did. No, we definitely did not. I do not recall so, ever. Yeah, I don't honestly think any of them will use it. Uh, the surge abilities are really broken, especially considering that there are only two Pokemon uh, that get each one respectively. And the Tapus are definitely, the uh, at least for most, are the better case of all the Pokemon that get the Surge abilities. So, uh, sorry, Tapu Bulu, you're going to have some fierce competition. The uh, only thing I could see there with uh Oh, no, Bulu? Indeedee's good, too. Yeah, with uh, with Bulu, I'd say, like, maybe you want Rillaboom to set the Grassy Surge, and you want Rillaboom as an attacker with Telepathy for some reason. Um, even then, I would still kind of want Grassy Surge, though. 
Like, no, you run know. double grass, grassy surge. Uh, Ndds yeah. will definitely be. Uh, the Ndds will definitely be strong. I'm actually very annoyed that uh, Lele gets to set psychic terrain, and then if you turn it off, it can just switch it another psychic terrain. That just sounds awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then like. Uh, the Tapabulu uh, is going to. I think Tapabulu is going to be the one that uh, is like competing for a spot. I don't think a lot of teams will run both of them, and most teams will probably choose Rillaboom just for the support aspect that it provides. Um, whereas Tapu Finney just feels like a better version of uh, Weezing in almost every way, and Tapu Coco is mostly just a better Pincurchin. So, uh, but those guys will be returning and are going to be very meta relevant. Uh, do not look forward to uh, seeing Dynamax Lele or Dynamax Coco just doing so <laughs> much damage. Uh, that's going to be something that is going to definitely be an aspect in the next format if these Pokemon are legal. Uh, another point, another thing I just want to point out here is like all these Pokemon, um, for those who don't know from the Crown Tundra presentation is that all the legendary Pokemon from past games are returning. Um, this is really nice to see this, um, I guess. And, uh, I guess the, uh, Swords of Justice, Cobalion, Tarek, and Virizion are now going to be available within Sword and Shield finally. Um, what is it like four, five months after they were legalized? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh. That it, it's so weird that uh, we got the Swords of Justice early, um, and they were just decided to be legal. I don't know. It, it just felt. It, thankfully, they weren't this huge meta-defining thing as we th- that we thought we were gonna uh, that we thought they were going to be. But it's still just very silly that they were only obtainable with the battle ready symbol, and we had them legal so much sooner than they were rate available. Speaking of raids, uh, well, let's talk about this new uh, Pokemon Dens feature really quick here, and just talk about some of the other features that have been announced here. Because uh, the the new Dens feature, I, I'm, I've got gripes about. It's it's a little silly that we're going to have to essentially use rental teams of Pokemon in the uh, in these Dens to do raid battles. Yeah, what's the deal with that? Come on. I like I'm looking at this and. Uh, the the choices are really not choice. Um, you know, there, there's this Flareon here with Burning Jealousy, Shadow Ball, Baby Doll Eyes, Last Resort, and oh man, this is really bringing Flareon back to the old days when it was not <laughs> right? able to learn to learn Flare Blitz. I don't know why they decided this was the best one. I do really enjoy the Battle Factory back in like Harkle's of Silver and stuff like that. I thought that aspect was really fun and like you know. You making do with what you got was a really cool aspect, but grinding raids uh, is already something that I find to be a chore. Yeah, it's tedious. I I don't want to be doing so with suboptimal Pokemon, or just like you know rolling the dice and hoping that I get a cool set of Pokemon that will make my life easier. Uh, right. It looks like the dens are going to be like fighting your way through a bunch of different paths to. And, like, doing a bunch of different raids to eventually get to the Legendary. And then probably just having a chance to catch it and stuff like that. Uh, I hope right. they're not too absurd catch rates and stuff like that. I, I really don't want this to be a major grind fest, considering we only have, like, 15 or so days until we are going to be competing in Players' Cup 2 for the the players that are going to be in that. Especially yeah. for, like, uh, people who maybe Sword and Shield was their first game and they don't, or maybe they just don't have access to older games and older Pokemon that way. So some of these older legendaries, right? Um, this 
for your within your own game this may be your only way to obtain some of these legendaries so if you have to do this to get them or maybe just like trade on uh, gts or whatever um you know thankfully for players who have been playing for a longer amount of time who have some of these older games available and some of these older legendaries available you can just uh send them up through home and use the battle ready symbol and then bam they're ready so you fix them in that way but with these uh dens like it's pretty much is kind of like the battle factory you use rentals you can trade up pokemon as you advance through the, each of these uh battles and stuff i think it's only like one person in your team of four each time though um i don't know it's if this is also the way you have to get, try and get the ability patch that could be frustrating yeah yeah let's see so other features to talk about here uh there's this galarian star tournament um Oh, I know you're excited about that one. You get to see so much more Leon. Yeah, like, this is just... Uh, you can do multi-battles with the in-game, like, characters. Cool. Look, this is this is for the uh, more casual fans out there who uh, like learning the lore behind some of the in-game characters. So this is probably more for them, not m mostly for us competitive players. So let them have this, I guess. I do agree. Like back in Heartcold Soul Silver, I very much enjoyed the gym leader rematches, and I like you know what I, I remember looking up all the times on like Serebii. And just changing my clock so that I could get all of them in the same place at once. And I'm like, all right, cool. I could battle any of these gym leaders whenever I want. Uh, but this is just, I don't know. This is just a weird feature um, that, I don't know. There's so many other like quality of line things that I would like to see in the game that we haven't gotten yet. And I, I, I'm thinking even more and more now, Steven, that we're not going to get any type of spectator mode or replays and stuff like that. That we that we really do want to see, that we do need but we get stuff little little fun stuff like this at least i guess right i uh i i'm i'm with you there i don't think we're going to get any of that i still think there may be some minor quality of life thing that there's going to be they're going that there's going to be improved with the crown tundra uh update to the game i believe so it. we may get something small but it's not going to be what uh us competitive players are mostly looking for here um in that regard so, Steven, why don't we wrap up here with just talking about the remaining Pokemon that are going to be coming in this uh, update. We've talked about a lot of the legendaries. Uh, of course, if uh, if you want to hear more about the legendaries, just listen to our, like, our older episodes when we talk about those restricted formats. Like We don't really need to break down Xerneas and Eveltal and stuff like that for you guys. No, and I wouldn't expect them to be legal immediately, too. Um, they were, they're probably going to come within, uh, in a year's time or in the future, but not necessarily... Now and within the next uh, like half a year or something. Yeah, exactly. So we, but there are going to be a bunch of like you know regular standardish Pokemon coming to uh, this DLC update and going to be legal again. And whether, right. no matter what the format is, uh, I guess they, it has to allow the DLC to be used. But uh, these are the Pokemon that you would expect to be legal. Uh, so there's oh like... Alex, before you start here, um, mm -hmm. I just want to say about these Pokemon is that. While I know there's some kind of uh, graphic floating around on the internet about the supposed uh, returning Pokemon list coming to with the Crown Tundra, um, the list you're about to read off here is like confirmed via um, Crown Tundra trailers or um, on the Pokemon Sword and Shield website already. So these are official to return. Yeah, I remember there was like a data mine list and stuff like that, but I think that people have uh, like 
debunked parts of that. Like, I think back in the past, there was a, a data mine that said Politoed was going to get Ally Switch or something like that, and it didn't end up getting it. And so some of these things, like, they might, you know, double back on or something uh, or change their mind. Uh, even if it was, like, you know, found in the files, maybe it just doesn't make it into the full game. So uh, we can't can't be 100% certain. I think it was, like, something else, like Pidgey was going to be in one of these DLCs, but it has not, it was changed or something. Wow, still no Pidgey, no Raticate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How like, about I'm, that? I'm, I'm crying, man. I'm just crying in the club. Uh, so let's talk about these Pokemon though. Uh, we got the Nido, uh, the Nido Pokemon. So Nido Queen and Nido King, uh, going to be using that Sheer Force Life Orb, uh, on all of the different, uh, elemental moves. Uh, it's got a lot of different options there. Uh, it might even get some of the new moves. Who knows? Uh, but I, these are decent Pokemon. They've had like, okay, uh, showings in the past. I don't think they get much better with Dynamax just because, uh, they rely on that sheer force ability, as I talked about earlier, but uh, they're strong enough Pokemon. Moving down the line, though, we've got uh, Electabuzz and Electivire. Uh, oh, I guess I skipped over uh, the Golbat and Crobat family. I think Crobat will be a decent Pokemon just because uh, Inner Focus uh, now even lets it uh, decide to do damage if it does want to do damage. Max Flying is alright, Max Poison is good for supporting partners, uh, and it can be a decent just like supporter like it always has been. Uh, it's mostly good in the restricted formats. It has not ever, you know, been a huge shine in the regular formats. Uh, but it, it's it's a decent enough Pokemon. Yeah, I think um, mostly the, I guess the ability to like have uh, the speed right away with uh, an immediate Tailwind is going to be pretty strong on Crobat. Um, I also just want to add here, like Crobat is again mostly in restricted formats. I did bring it to a second place finish at one of my uh, regionals finals. Um, against Zach Drogkamp, um, with enough, it was an offensive crowbat. We haven't talked about the whole details on the show yet, but, uh, it's a flying gem acrobatics crowbat. Um, mm, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that eventually, but, um, it worked. It worked pretty well for what it was supposed to do. Um, it also just had Tailwind and Taunt too, and, uh, acrobatics was my attack move. We've got Electivire and, and Magmortar Pokemon that are just, like, strong, but have never been hu too huge in, uh, VGC. Uh, the one Electivire I remember was facing a top cut of Collinsville the year that I ended up winning uh, John, against right? John against yeah. <laughs> John who with his triple electric team Pikachu Tapu Coco and Electivire that sets on YouTube uh, if you want to go watch it it was actually a pretty wild set uh, that John and I almost performed the zombie glitch into uh, that was funny oh uh, you dirty dirty <laughs> we we talked about doing it on stream it would have been funny you know what? anyway you also talked about it on the show because I remember way back in our first season we I remember oh the when at, recapping your regional win was the same weekend or the same time we had John on the show. You guys talked about that set. That was also when we first talked about like getting our Nintendo Switches for the first time and playing Zelda and everything. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I won uh, a regional the weekend the Switch came out. It's just some like a fun little memory for me. Uh, just because like I I think I bought it before. I left and I, I didn't end up like playing it at all. And I was just like, this is just what I want to do. I Same just for me. <laughs> keeping me from Breath of the Wild. Uh, so Dragonite here. Uh, Dragonite's yeah. a really interesting one because, again, it's got that inner focus. Uh, Multiscale has been the dominant ability on this Pokemon for a long time because it's just so strong. But uh, as we've seen, uh, targeting your own Pokemon with uh, super effective attacks to trigger a weakness policy uh, has been a very strong strategy. 
And Dragonite has a decent number of weaknesses to types that you can do that with. You know, Ice, Fairy, Rock, um, Dragon, I guess. And yeah, there's a lot. It's also just a very bulky Pokemon. So it could, you know, the opponent could definitely set its weakness policy off for it. If it's not hitting it with super effective moves, they're just not doing damage. It's got Max Flying uh, as a stab move. I think uh, there's a potential it gets dual wing beat. And then Inner Focus, of course, making an Intimidate immune, uh, as well as it just being a Pokemon that could use both physical or special. It's got a lot of, uh, I think it's got a lot of promise for this coming format. I think so, too. Like, uh, being part flying type is going to be really significant for it because it's going to have access to those strong, strong flying moves. Um, and everything you mentioned about Dragonite already um, is going to be pretty good player moving forward. I agree there. Um, we already talked about these next few here. Um, There's Agron, I guess. Agron yeah. is not a huge, huge Pokemon um, in VGC. I think the only person I know of using it was like Ashton at Worlds one year with a Choice Scarf or something. Uh, I oh, think yeah, he, that's right. Uh, 14. But uh, it doesn't do a lot of stuff, so I'm just going to kind of move along. Uh, I'll Same with Altaria. Uh, these are both Pokemon that just, you know, maybe would be a little more relevant with their Mega's Legal, but nope. Uh, Cradley has that Storm Drain ability, uh, but again, not a huge meta-defining Pokemon. Uh, Absol, uh, just, yeah, no mega here. (laughs) Walrein, uh, I faced one Walrein from uh, Sam Harsma, Samuel Harsma that we had on the show at one point, uh, Dr. Fidget. He's the only one who's going to say Walrein is good. I think everyone else is going to disregard it, but this is going to be Samuel's go-to Pokemon here. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to move past it and let him talk about it if he wants. Uh, Relicanth, moving on. Oof. Metagross. Welcome back, Metagross. Ooh, hey, Metagross. <laughs> so, Metagross uh, has that clear body, which is, as we've seen, very strong in the Dynamax format. Dragapult has been really, really wreaking havoc, and I think being immune to Intimidate, uh, while able to still do, like, some serious damage, uh, Metagross was, like, the, the one of the first Pokemon for the, uh, like, side weakness policy procs along with like T-Tar, like a popular one to use weakness policy on uh Aegislash being I guess one of the last ones but like yeah the the bulldoze strategy with your Arcanine or Salamence onto your Metagross uh and then not dropping its speed stat is still going to be relevant and now you're going to have even more bulk thanks to Dynamax yeah and uh your stabs are going to, you know, put up some good effects for you too. Boost your defense, uh, put up psychic terrain. Uh, Metagross is going to be very welcome on a lot of those size spam teams too. Got some great uh, coverage moves too between the punches now just being elevated in base power. Uh, they were never really used for their side effects, just you know, as coverage, and that's just going to be even stronger. Yeah, Metagross is just so good. Um, I mean, it's just a ball of stats. Yeah, historically too, like um, over all the formats, it's probably like top in the top five uh, uh, all time. Uh, that's, uh, it helps that it's a psychic type, and psychic types usually win worlds. Ah, that curse was broken a long time ago, or that streak. Um, but... Uh, next up, another big dragon. Garchomp. Hello. Garch- more stats, more stats. Yeah, Dragon Ground, uh, gonna be very strong. I, I don't know if it'll be as good. It feels like Garchomp is, like, our filler Pokemon waiting around for Landorus to come back. And Landorus is here at the same time Garchomp is coming, so... It might not be as big as it has been in past years. Uh, however, it, it's still a very fast Pokemon. It's got a great speed tier. Uh, it's got a, a decent typing for proccing uh, weakness policies. You know, the same weaknesses that I mentioned that Dragonite had, except for the rock, I guess. Um, so it, it's a Pokemon that can do some serious damage, but 
Uh, maybe the abilities it has will just not be as relevant this year, so. Yeah, I'm with you there. Otherwise, uh, strong, fast Pokemon can still get the job done. Uh, if you need a different kind of ground type other than Landris, maybe you don't want Intimidate on a strong uh, ground type fast attacker like that. So, uh, Garchomp may fit your role there. Now we've got Odno or Audino, uh, just moving on. Cryogonal, uh, is a weird, weird one. Uh, I don't think it has anything too notable going for it in VGC, mm, so. Nah, I'd move on to. <laughs> Tyrantrum, uh, cool Pokemon, uh, hits hard, but again, not very, very VGC relevant. Aurorus, I will pause to mention that it does get snow warning, and I think snow warning was, like, not legal last year or something. I feel like it never got it. Maybe. Does it, it did. also have that weird, um,. It gets refrigerate. That, yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Uh, the one, yeah, that changes Hyper Voice into an ice move. Uh, yeah, and that'll be actually pretty nice into this format with flying types being everywhere. Uh, and then also Snow Warning if you need to set up ice or hail or for whatever reason, if you have like a Slush Rush Pokemon. Oh, I uh, thought we were going with Aurora Veil instead. <laughs> actually, now that I mention it, uh, Slush Rush, I think, is an ability of the other uh, two fossil Pokemon. Oh, what's the, yeah, what's the, what are those Arctivish things called? Arctivish and, uh... Um, Arctazolt, yeah, Arctazolt. Yeah, Arctivish and Arctazolt uh, can both take advantage of the hail. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the Sand uh, Rush ones because those are the ones that are VGC relevant. Dracovish and Dracozolt. Uh But the Arctivish and Arctazolt versions, uh, they will be able to double their speed as well and uh, finally be able to outspeed Pokemon. They can maybe run... You know, a choice band as well, considering their speed is being boosted so high. And those moves, as you've seen, are very strong. Even in, into opponent's Dynamax Pokemon, it can do a lot of damage. Yeah, as long as you're moving two, first. Those two also go get uh, Bold Beak and Ficious Wren, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. Okay, so yeah, they're, they're uh, again, like, the, all these new Pokemon and this uh, format change is going to bring up a lot of uh, new strategies that we're going to see uh, kind of come up in within these next month or month and a month and longer whatever uh so aurorus you know maybe not the premier hail setter but nonetheless setting hail is going to be pretty strong uh it's another option for you if those pokemon are going to be uh meta relevant carbink uh carbink has uh, only ever been used in degenerate strategies and so i'm not happy to see it return considering that it's like popular on those chancy guard swap teams uh, <laughs> because of it's, it's a sturdy trick room setter. So yeah, go away, Carbink. Nobody's happy to see you come back except those degenerate chancy players. Um, and then I guess at the bottom here, we have all of the new moves, but we've talked about all these on the podcast before. Uh, Eerie Spell, Thunder Cage was actually Reggie Alecki's move that traps Dragon Energy. Hilarious move name. I cannot believe um is the it says the lower the user's hp the lower the moves power yeah uh we don't know for sure if it's spread or not uh freezing Wait, glare before we move on dragon energy um i think in the tcg they did have a dragon energy at some point so oh fair is that the only uh card that would actually also be like a or energy card that would also be an attack move I mean, energy okay. cards, sure, yeah. Like, I don't think we've ever had a move called Double Colorless or something like that, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there, there's been some crossovers. Like, they, they've had uh, some... Definitely had some uh, real Pokemon uh, video game moves on the cards. Oh, yeah, I know cards, that. So. And maybe vice versa uh, beforehand, because the cards do come up with their own stuff. Uh, maybe we've seen some of that in VGC... Or in uh, the video games after the fact. 
Anyway, then the last three are just the uh, the signature moves of the new birds. They're uh, moves that sound like they should be a different type, but are the the new types. Freezing Glare, the psychic move. Thunderous Kick, the fighting move. Fiery Wrath, the dark move. You just love to see it. <laughs> yeah, the signature moves of the Galarian birds there, I think uh, they will pretty much be pretty effective in using all of them. Um, I imagine there's, the Galarian bird stats are going to be similar to the Kanto versions, just uh, maybe rearranged a bit. Possibly, I don't know, just a prediction. Could uh, even one be the po- same, yeah. One Pokemon, we, yeah, that's true. One Pokemon we did not mention at all yet, and uh, I feel like it may be impactful, Cresselia. How do we not mention this one yet? Uh, because Cresselia had a rough 2019, dude. Well, in 2019, it was with uh, all those restricted legendaries. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's norm- that's normally the format that shines in, although uh, I guess it was okay in 18. People ran like that Calm Mind Electric Seed set. Uh, Cresselia yeah, it, is a- always solid in national decks formats, like 12, 13, 15. Yeah, no, it was definitely good in those ones. I, I just feel like Cross has fallen off. I think with the power creep, it's just somehow got crept past and like... They had Lunala and stuff in the past years and kind of messing it up. I feel like Dragapult is just going to completely invalidate this thing. With all these new Pokemon coming, um, just don't think that Dragapult's going anywhere. It's still, like, the fastest of fast and the strongest of strong. It's going to be a, an annoying Pokemon for the rest of our lives. Uh, absolutely. It's uh, one of those Pokemon. It's like the new... It's the Gen 8 Pseudo-Legend, yeah? Yep, exactly. Pretty much. So, um, again, like, this is probably, like... This, these are our assumptions. There's like 99% uh, probability that this will be Series 7 for the Players' Cup 2, starting November 1st with uh, all of these legendary Pokemon returning. Um, the restricted legendaries, again, we're not expecting them to show up in play yet. Um, no Ultra Beasts yet. I guess they did not count them as uh, legendary Pokemon, which is fine. Um, we'll see them eventually, but just not right now. Yep. And uh, we're th- again, these are just all of our opinions. Uh, we're going to be drastically wrong when things actually release. And uh, that release, again, coming in a few weeks, Thursday, October 22nd, is when the uh, Crown Tundra drops, and um, everyone will get to start exploring that new area and do all the new fun stuff in there. But um, obviously, this is not the end of our conversation about all these uh, returning Pokemon, these new, and this new format for what we're expecting for Series 7. Um, We'll probably get confirmation of that again within a few weeks' time. Like how most of the other series have been confirmed, but that's uh, Alex. I think that's pretty much going to do it for our show here. So um, everyone, if you're pretty solid in qualifying for a Players Cup two, then you are likely going to need to be prepping for that tournament using this new series, whatever it may be. But let's wrap up our show here, folks. You can send your email, or you can email us. Uh, so yeah, send your email to our email at vgchypervoice at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and feedback about the show. Um, you can also tell your friends about us that if they're interested in a show about competitive Pokemon, they can find us here on the Hypervoice. Please let them uh, know about us. Um, and uh, in terms of discovery, leave us reviews on the podcast platforms such as like Apple and iTunes. It helps with visibility so that others can discover the show. So you can find us there on Google Podcasts and Spotify or some of the highlight uh, platforms there. And you can find us wherever else you find your shows. And you can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hypervoice. Lastly, you can follow the two of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at SuperMorioka. And Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at LexconVGC. Awesome. Everyone, thank you, the listener, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for more of The Hypervoice. Aloha. Aloha.